Hello, and welcome to Hypergrowth, the podcast that's dedicated to unpacking what it takes to build a successful and scalable e-commerce business. I'm your host, Arjun Jolly, co-founder of Ad Quadrant, And today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into customer data management platforms and how they're used by the largest e-commerce brands to create personalization and scale their businesses. Joining me today is Michelle Schroeder, CMO of Ametria. Michelle is an e-commerce veteran. Over a decade of experience and extensive experience in collecting, analyzing, and distributing data that drives personalization. Michelle, hello, and thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Arjun. Really excited to be here. So, Michelle, before we jump into things, I've got a couple quick fire questions for you. First off, what's a CDMP? Why is it important to e-commerce brands that are looking to scale? And what does Ometria do? Okay, awesome. Let's get into it. So CDMP stands for Customer Data and Marketing Platforms. It's basically like if you think about um, the brain that powers CRM marketing, you've got these two hemispheres coming together. The customer data one, the one that allows you to kind of understand your customer, pull in all the context that they're telling you about them, um, and then market, use it to market to them. And that other hemisphere is the ability to actually deliver the things that you want to market against to measure that performance. Um, and if you want to get really nerdy, there's a connection between those two hemispheres, just like we've got. Um, and that tends to be data science, and that's what it is for us. Um, and that's that's the CDMP. Um, I believe the second question is, why was it so important for e-commerce businesses? Well, um, the data part is foundational uh, to understanding your customers, which is the thing that every marketer wants to do. Every e-commerce brand needs to basically nail if they want to grow at all. Um, and being able to kind of pull that customer context in and have it persist through all of the customer experiences you drive um, online, in your inbox, in store, no matter what type of setup you've got, um, but particularly in the e-commerce space, you need to have a customer data platform to sort of help inform that marketing plan. And what does Ometria do? We connect those hemispheres together. We've got that kind of data science layer sitting on top of it. But on the step that we take that I believe is above and beyond what most platforms do um, is we put that data straight into the marketer's hands. Um, we use it to basically help surface your plan, your, your marketing plan, help you tell you what your highest leverage opportunities are, um, the things most likely to work, the segments most likely to want to hear from you, what they want to hear about. We help you launch faster using that same data um, so we help you actually get your campaigns to market faster, um, and then we help you op optimize them with data again. So it's just basically taking, threading the needle um, for all of the places where you need to infuse data to do better marketing. And I think that's pretty pretty critical for e-commerce brands. Awesome. As a marketer and a data geek, I'm so excited about our conversation today. But I got to ask you, CDP, CDMP, I've heard it called a customer data platform, a customer data management platform, which is what I called it, as well as a customer data marketing platform. Are these all the same? No. Ah. That's what makes it so hard. Um, I think, and it, we'll probably get into this in our conversation too, but you know, the technology um, has been driving, I think, a lot of the culture and the language and the ways in which we think about personalization, we think about marketing strategy. Um, but they're also still figuring it out. So you see a lot of these delineations between brands, whether you're an ESP with, you know, a data platform sort of tucked inside somewhere, or you're a personalization platform that happens to have a data layer underneath, or, you know, you're a an SMS provider that, of course, same needs data and needs to partner with data. We're all sort of coming at this with diff from different angles. 
Uh, so the closest thing, you know, if you follow like the analyst world, the closest thing to sort of bringing all these things together, we believe the future of sort of the CDP space is a customer data and marketing platform, is bringing those two hemispheres together and making it easy for a marketer to just action off of their data. Most marketers, I mean, sounds like we're a little different in that we're both data geeks, but most marketers don't really want to deal with data. Data is the problem. It's not the solution. They want to do their jobs. They want to be able to sort of action off of that. And I think all of the terminology, all of the different acronyms um, for tech belie just how far we still need to come in the bringing together of these these two worlds. Interesting. Yeah, your question. They're all they're all a little different. And you have to really drill in and know what you're looking at to know it, why they're yeah. different. Yeah, and it's <laughs> there's so many acronyms in tech, but at the core, I mean, obviously with data and our conversation today, it's really going to be focused around the personalization aspect of it and how um, you've got experience in, in working with these highly scalable e-commerce brands around that. But but data is important in terms of all aspects of the e-commerce journey when you're when you're looking to acquire customers, whether it's creative data, paid media data, um, decision sciences related type of stuff, backend, downstream, you name it. Um, so it's really, you know, again, we may be the different ones, but I love being a data geek. I know you do too. So yeah, I'm really excited to, to really dive in. Um, so let, let's start off with uh, pandemic. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're kind of at the point where the pandemic is over. Uh, the, the last couple of years have been, you know, bonkers, if you will, for, for e-commerce. So I'm curious, what's your perspective on what's going to happen next in e-com and, and the brands that are still looking to grow and scale with, you know, what's just happening with macroeconomic factors and whatnot and the pandemic being done? What's your take on it based on what you've seen in your experience? Yeah. I mean, a couple points. I think we can't kind of look forward without actually addressing what happened during the pandemic. And to me, it's two things. Digital transformation happened at such a crazy rate. I know everybody talked about it so much. Um, and the e-commerce marketer, the brand marketer, the marketers, they were the heroes of the pandemic. They kept the lights on. They kept the growth going. They pivoted in such incredible ways um, to answer sort of the, the challenge of the pandemic. But what also happened, a lot of that speed, I think, created a lot of debt, um, you know, a lot of buying of technology and not fully integrating it. Um, a lot of feature overlap. And I think now that we're going into a period of economic uncertainty, people are taking a hard look at their MarTech stacks and they're probably trying to just make sure that the the problems that they were trying to solve two years ago when they very rapidly, you know, you know, got out the the the, the shovel and started just saying, we're gonna dig ourselves out of this. We're gonna do it really quickly. Um, that they can sort of resolve that, that there's not inefficiency baked into their to the the tech that they bought. Um, that they're solving the same types of use cases they had before, because in some cases they're not. You know, the, the problems going into the future, uh, the theme that I, that I seem to be hearing over and over again is to do more with less. Um, you know, to be more efficient, to uh, you know, drive more growth certainly, but drive more growth uh, in a smarter way, in a more effective way, in a more efficient way. Um, and honestly, the answer to that is going to be customer experience. That's going to be your most sustainable path to growth and to differentiation and, you know, to getting us through this next period of uncertainty uh, where the marketer gets to hopefully be the hero again through customer experience. Interesting. Yeah, there's so much happening uh, kind of in the world today and macroeconomically. And I agree with you. It's, um, you know, the past couple of years, the marketers that were driving that customer acquisition and really capturing the tailwinds of what was happening, um, you know, at a kind of global level 
Uh, really interesting to see. And obviously, you know, now we're in a little bit of a cool off period, but the beauty of e-com is that it was still trending up before the pandemic happened. So while it accelerated, it's still going to be, you know, a, a area of opportunity and an area for brands to really succeed. So when we think about how data comes into play for those brands that are looking to succeed, let's say you're a $10 million e-commerce brand, but your your goal is to scale to $100 million in revenue in, in short order. From your standpoint, what's the different uh, types of data that these brands should look at if you're a $10 million brand versus that $100 million brand? What's the different um, you know, data sets or, or processes or just perspectives in regards to how they approach their overall customer data marketing platform? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that question because in some senses, the buckets in which you think about sort of the, the where you infuse data and how you use it to grow are going to be the same, whether you're a small brand or you're a large brand. But what you have access to, um, where you are sort of on the data maturity curve, um, are going to be completely different. And so your approaches, your philosophies, um, they they might be different, but the overarching sort of you know north star is still how do I get the best connection between my brand and my customer and use that to grow? And how do I make sure it's fostered everywhere? And to me, of course, the answer is going to be data. Um, but to a $10 million brand, it might be just data applied well, data applied in the right spots. And so the the way that I, at least I've seen $10 million brands look at this um, or, or, or folks in that set that are looking to scale up quickly, uh, they don't necessarily have multiple CDPs or, you know, a, a super robust ESP that sits on top of that and their own sort of modeling and data science teams that are just helping them maximize that customer experience. But what they do have um, is the same mentality, which is where can I where can I make these experiences better? They can take a look at their customer journey that they're already taking buyers on and find those areas of friction and then use data to sort of fill in those gaps. I know that sounds super general, um, but it could it could mean something different. Like for a brand that's in the $10 million range, for example, you might be looking to just get the get to first purchase faster. That could be the thing that unlocks your next phase of growth most quickly. How do you do that? You know, how do you segment in a way that lets you know, you know, who's most likely to buy next? Um, these are questions that you should be asking your platforms, you know, whatever it is, whether it's your ESP, your data provider, your own data science resource, if you've got one. Um, providers like us, vendors like us will give you this information for free if you just have the conversation. Um, I think there's a lot of ways I, that in which you can ask these questions of your customer journey. Where can I fix things? Where can I make this move like more smoothly and infuse it with data? Um, and there's a lot of resources out there to, to help. Um, that said, all that being said, I do want to say that some of the most sophisticated companies I've seen doing the most sophisticated things are these sub 100 million agile, you know, in some cases venture backed, but agile brands who who know their customer better than anybody else. And they've done it on the back of data and they're responding to that data in an incredibly fast and innovative way. Um, and it's permeating all of these different spots, the way that they think about product, the way that they think about, um, you know, the hybrid experience that we're walking into right now, where it's not just, you know, digital, it's as McKinsey calls it, digital, or it's physical and digital. And, and it's, it almost doesn't matter the size of your revenue. It's the philosophy dictating how you're using that data um, and where you look to sort of reduce that friction between you and the 
and the customer that you're selling to. Yeah, I think that's a great segue actually into personalization for these customers. And you mentioned McKinsey. You know, I saw a McKinsey study recently that said seventy-one um, percent of consumers expect companies to deliver these personalized interactions, and seventy-six percent get frustrated when it doesn't happen. So I'm curious, just kind of from your perspective, how important is personalization for e-commerce brands and at what size and scale should they really be thinking about it? I mean, yeah, so I think that uh, personalization, if you just think of it as a tool, um, like I mentioned before, just like the best way to connect your story, your brand to the individual customers that you're looking to engage with, it's tantamount. It's the most important thing. It's at the top of that pyramid, um, that hierarchy of needs almost from a, from a brand to customer perspective. Um, and the, the answer to your second question, um, really, when should brands be thinking about bringing in personalization? It's it's immediately, but you can do that in, in smaller ways. Um, it just should be infusing infused into the way in which you think about your marketing strategy. Um, and the other thing, too, is that personalization... Um, comes with some risk, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the personalization that tech vendors talk about. So the ones that we talk about, um, you know, the ones that uh, were the personalization term emerged, you know, from these, you know, data platforms that were looking to sort of drive and deliver these more personalized um, you know, product recommendations, segments, all of those types of things. And the, the reason why there's risk involved is, is many, many parts, but we'll just, uh, just to start with some of the big ones. Um, the data privacy landscape is shifting really, really quickly, and it's shifting in favor of the consumer. And I think all marketers in the very, very back of their heads are asking themselves the question, how much personalization is too much personalization? When does it cross the line over into creepy? Um, and, and when is it really not beneficial? Where, where am I losing myself basically as a brand and trying to be so personalized for the individual that the message kind of gets muddled? Um, and I think the brands that do this best um, are the ones that understand the importance. They understand the, the first thing that I mentioned, which is that it's just a tool for connecting you to the to the individual and not necessarily the destination. It's a it's a it's a journey, but it's incredibly important and it's incredibly profitable. Um, it's why you know I, I could talk about sort of stats for days um, from what our clients see when they personalize messages. Um, or when we do holdouts against, you know, batch and blast versus hyper segmented, hyper personalized, you know, with with the content that that the individual wants to see um, in the right time, you know, with triggered based off of the right behavioral data, um, it's it's a profitable and powerful tool, but it is just a tool. Yeah, and I think at, at the core for personalization, it all comes down to creating emotion, right, and creating. Um, enough emotion for the consumer to take that next action in that customer journey, whether that's a conversion, a click, or whatever it might be. But when you're looking at whether it's ad creative or the customization and personalization of their web or mobile experience, it's all about connecting with that consumer where they are in the customer journey and really helping them to realize that they need this or uh, you know, give them the the emotion of humor or sadness or fear, whatever it might take in regards to helping them to realize that that this next step in the customer journey is something that I should take. Exactly. And to your second stat, I mean, when you get that wrong, you know, if this is supposed to be an emotional exchange, if you get the moment wrong, 
you know, it's just like, it's just like having a conversation where the other person kind of comes back with a non sequitur and you're like, were you listening? <laughs> but yeah. The conversation, um, you know, it, it, it feels really bad, just like it does in, in a human interaction. It feels really bad between a brand and a person. And a lot of what personalization is, is this proxy or human, you know, person to person connection. And so that, that's why I think that part of the stat is so powerful. When you get it wrong, it's abandoned ship. It's just, yeah. it's, it just ends the conversation. Absolutely. So I want to get your perspective on something. Give me an example of the brand that that you've had experience in uh, working with in regards to personalization and tell us the story about what they did to make it successful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can think of a really good one, um, partially because it in line with what we've been talking about. It's just like using you know, personalization to point the story and not the story just funneled through basically personalization. Great brands, like the best brands, the ones that we all know, they come with this story, they come with this heritage and this feeling. And and to your point before, you know, they, they have emotional resonance, resonance. They mean something to us. And I, uh, we have a, a brand, um, they're, uh, they're called Hunter. And, and they're, if you know them, like in the UK, they refer to the boots as wellies. Um, and there are these famous boots. Um, I remember getting one when I when I was younger, and and it just meant a lot because to me they, they were a hundred dollars, and I remember that being like a lot of money. But I bought them because it made me feel like I was just skipping through a countryside, you know, in, in my boots, and you know, in the rain, just like this this very whimsical, but you know, yeah, just just a nostalgic kind of feeling. And what I love about them, what I love about Hunter, is. They came to us with, you know, foundational, you know, challenges around unifying their data, understanding it, and then packaging it up and using it to deliver better experiences. And they solved a lot of those things. But when it came time to actually tell a brand story around their waterproof lines, so jackets, boots, um, all sorts of accessories and things that they they sell, but that's really the backbone of the brand is this idea of you know, what I just mentioned, like running through kind of the rain, this waterproof kind of collection. They took a look at, um, you know, they told the story and they, they put together sort of the creative, but they pointed it through, you know, your, the last time you browsed, you know, this, this product type, a waterproof product type, um, you know, your affinity toward this product, your, um, you know, the last time you, you, um, you know, purchased something like this, whether or not it was your anniversary, they took all of these, your life cycle stage, they took all of these different pieces of customer context and they infused it into this campaign. Um, and it was, and they did it to an amazing result. They saw a 30% increase in CRM revenue from this, these segmented email campaigns um, after they did this. And it was just a really great thing because they were going to do these types of campaigns anyway. But now they, with this personalized kind of layer on top of them, they got this extra added success that they wouldn't have, um, you know, without, without looking at it through that lens. And I just think that that's a really nice way of thinking about staying true to who you are as a brand, um, but pointing it to exactly the right people at exactly the right time with exactly the right message. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, great story, and I'm still chuckling at your uh, uh, the way that you described it, kind of skipping through the rain. Uh, that, that's simple. It's it's definitely the emotion that we're talking about, right? I mean, they obviously hooked you on it. So yeah, clearly, clearly, this is way before Metria, Clearly. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's great. And um, look, before we wrap up, you're a self-proclaimed data geek. I'm a self-proclaimed data geek. I want to move to metrics for a second because I think that 
you know, at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of data out there and a lot of things that brands can look at. And when we're thinking about that hyper growth aspect, we always think about those brands that are that are at that mar mark where they're roughly around 10 million in revenue. And, you know, they're in market, uh, consumers are buying their product, but now they're looking to unlock that that hyper growth of how do they get to the 100 million revenue mark as quickly as possible. So I'd love to just get your perspective on the metrics, the key metrics that you would say e-commerce brands really need to pay attention to when they're looking to scale their businesses from 10 million to 100 million and just kind of get your perspective on what that data set looks like and, and the overall metrics that they need to pay attention to on their dashboard on a daily basis. Yeah, I love that question, especially since if you're early on your journey, you might not be looking at some of the same types of big, wide, multi-year-long metrics that a lot of the the larger kind of retailers look at. Um, and we actually did a study on this, which is why I feel like uniquely lucky to answer this question, um, where we looked at within our own client base, these indicators that a business was going to grow within the next year. Um, and so we, there were these seven metrics, uh, and I won't go through all of them, but I'll at least give you a couple that that indicate whether or not this, uh, you know, a retailer in that exact kind of set is likely to grow. Um, a big one was around repeat rate. Um, so how many times are your customers coming back to you? And there are ways in which to influence this. These are campaigns that you can create with data, but even without data, um, you know, common sense campaigns too, that can help influence this over time. Um, time to first purchase, that's a big one. Uh, so, you know, from the moment that the person subscribes with you or they have their first interaction with the brand or they reach out um, or you capture their information in some way, they give you that, that you know, customer data, that, that first touch. The time to first purchase um, is another big indicator about whether or not you are going to grow um, within the next 12 months. And the second one is just the time to your second purchase. Uh, which is an interesting one. And and of course, all of these things add up, you know, to you know, your lifetime value and, you know, getting your basket rate. And so your 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 basket value higher, your, your average order value. Um, all of these things matter, but like there are these smaller indicators that you can focus on as a brand of in in this size and with this um yeah, with with these sort of um with the intention basically to just drive growth and drive it quickly and drive it in a way that doesn't sacrifice the customer experience. Um, so it's not about necessarily just, you know, turning up the volume and sending more campaigns. It's a lot more about optimizing the things that happen between that first interaction with the brand and hopefully that first purchase and just making that window smaller, focusing on the baseline metric and and optimizing until it's smaller and until you, you, you're into that 100 million range where you want to be. Love it. And Michelle, that was awesome. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, but I'm sure that our listeners and viewers are really going to find the information that you shared insightful. Thank you for telling us about CDMP and what it really stands for. Thanks for educating us on Ametria and thanks for sharing your journey. To everyone out there listening and watching, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for the next episode of Hypergrowth and we will see you next time.